just want to say welcome, Community Alliance Church. We are thrilled to have you all with us here on this morning. And Pastor Danny said it feels like we've had a heat wave here this morning. I've never had 32 degrees feel so good and hope that you all stayed warm this past week. When you came in this morning, you might have received a bulletin. If you didn't get one on the way in, make sure you grab one on the way out. There are a number of things coming up here at the church. I just want to highlight a couple of them. One is venison dinner. Tickets will be on sale starting next week. And I want to ask you to pray about something. Is there somebody in your life that you know that enjoys the outdoors, but also maybe would never set foot in a church for any reason other than maybe to come to this dinner? With you, Is there somebody that you know that would be great to invite to this dinner? They're going to come, they're going to enjoy an excellent meal. They'll never have deer meat taste so good. And more importantly, they're going to hear the, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ communicated in a clear and relevant way to their lives. So take that opportunity, pray about that, and next week invite someone to come to that dinner with you that needs to hear about Jesus. We also still need help serving that evening. There's a lot of sign-ups out in the lobby on high round tables. Check out where you might be able to serve. Now, if you haven't signed up for Man Camp yet, I just want to remind you that today is the last day to qualify for a $5 off coupon. Go to mancamp2019.org, and you can, uh, you can get uh, uh, more information about that and sign up today. Well, if you were here last week, you know that we, last week we started into a new two-week series out of the book of 2 John. And if you're here, you knew that last week we started out by talking about this stuff, water. And we talked about the fact that water, although pretty bland and pretty boring in appearance, is actually an essential part of our everyday lives. There are so many things that we do with water. I mean, we drink it, we clean with it, we heat our homes with it. We move really big stuff like ships with it. We can make electricity with it. So many with it that it's almost impossible to list them all. Yet despite its nearly infinite uses in our lives, we talked about the fact that water itself is made of two essential elements. Chemistry represents it this way by calling it H2O. H for hydrogen, O for oxygen. These two elements that by themselves are invisible gases... When they're combined together, create this bond that gives us the life-sustaining substance called water. And in 2 John, last week we talked about in our lives of following Jesus Christ, there are also two essential elements, love and truth. And just like hydrogen and oxygen must be bonded together to form water, without both, you don't have it, in our lives Love and truth must be bonded together if we're going to follow Jesus in the fullness that he's calling us to follow him. It has to be both. It can't be just one or the other. And so last week we talked about love. And and if you didn't catch that message last week, I invite you to go back to our Facebook page or onto our website and, and make sure you catch that. It'll help this week make more sense to you. But last week we talked about this radical extreme as Jesus has love, that Jesus is calling us to show one another. And we finished by, by talking about this key question that could change your lives if we asked it every day. What step would love take? What step would love take? And so this week, to kind of bridge the gap from where we left off in talking about love to where we're going to go eventually today, I want to begin by looking at a statement. 
And that statement is this. Jesus isn't the only teacher to promote love. He just did it perfectly. Jesus is not the only religious teacher that you will hear talk about love. He just did it the best. Jesus didn't have a copyright on love. He didn't go on Shark Tank and get an investor and patent it and sell it all over the world. And the Bible isn't the only religious book that talks about loving one another either. When it comes to love, it's kind of like what you might hear on a commercial. Love is available in stores everywhere. If you look through history and you look through other religions, it's not that hard to find appeals to love one another. In fact, I brought a couple examples with me. You can follow these on the screen. The Buddha in Buddhism says this, radiate boundless love toward the entire world, above, below, and across, unhindered, without ill will, without enmity. In Hinduism, in their religious book, the Bhagavad Gita, we find it written, do everything you have to do, but not with greed, not with ego, not with lust, not with envy, but with love. Compassion, humility, and devotion. Even Islam. The prophet Muhammad is recorded as saying this. You will not enter paradise until you believe, and you will not believe until you love one another. Where would you hear that before? But it's not just religious people who like this idea of love. It's even atheists who talk about love. There's a well-known atheist, his name is Penn Gillette, he's half of the magic duo Penn and Teller, and he writes this book about atheism, and look what he said in the book. He says, love and respect all people, but hate and destroy all faith. You don't even have to believe in God to think that love is a good idea. As far back as the 60s, some of you grew up in that era, bands like the Beatles wrote songs like, all you need is love. And crowds showed up and bought albums because love is popular. See, when people have a problem with Jesus, it's not his teaching on love that they struggle with. Think about it. Who is the person in your life that you know that wants the absolute least to do with Jesus? Imagine you went up to them and said, i, I got to tell you something. I, I really hope this doesn't offend you, but... I'm just going to say it. I, I feel like I want to be more loving. They're, they're not going to look at you and say, what gives you the right to tell me that? I am so offended. I, I can't believe you would say that to me. They're going to say something like, uh, okay, or great. And so when we go to 2 John and we find these statements about love one another or walk in love, those kinds of statements don't really raise any eyebrows in our culture. Do they? I mean, we hear it everywhere. Love is in. But in 2 John verse 4, he says something else that could spark great controversy in 2019. If you have your Bible, you can go to 2 John with me. We're going to start out in verse 4 today. And we'll look at the controversial side of 2 John's message. In verse 4, he writes this, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth as the Father commanded us. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. 
John's saying that our Father God commands us, his children, to walk in truth. But it's, it's not just any truth he's talking about. In 2 John, he's saying we're commanded to walk in the truth. So if you, if you have a printed Bible today, or, or if you have a mobile device, I want you to either circle that word, the, or maybe push down on your mobile screen and highlight it. You probably haven't heard too many preachers get excited about the word the or point it out that much. But in this passage, the word the is a really important word. Because when he says the truth, he's pointing at a particular truth. He's pointing at a specific truth. He's not just talking about any truth. He's saying that the Father commands us to walk in the truth. The truth. There's a, there's a f- phrase or a saying that's become pretty popular in our culture. Maybe you've heard it or seen it somewhere. It's this. Live your truth. Or live my truth. Maybe you've seen it somewhere on Facebook or on a t-shirt. The idea behind this statement is essentially this. It's that inside each one of us is a truth that is unique to us. My, my truth is mine and your truth is yours. And the secret to fulfillment in life is to look within yourself and discover your truth and then live it out truthfully. To live your truth. Oprah Winfrey, a few years ago, in a Facebook post, kind of talked about how she feels about this idea. She says this, What I know for sure is that you feel real joy in direct proportion to how connected you are to living your truth. Now, when she says, what I know for sure, I've got to ask her, is, like, is that your truth or is that the truth? Which, which for sure is it? But I, I really don't bring this up today because I want to criticize Oprah. She's not here to clarify what she meant. I bring this up because her statement perfectly shows how our culture views truth. It's subjective. And yet what she says is so eerily similar yet strikingly different to what John says here in verse 4. She says that joy is in finding your truth, but he says joy is found in walking in the truth. See, it's, it's not Jesus' teachings about love that offend people. What really bugs people is that Jesus would teach his disciples like John, who would then try to teach us, that, like, I can have my truth and you can have your truth, but that's really not the truth because there is only one, the truth. You want to talk about many truths, you want to talk about some truths and multiple truths, that's not going to bother anybody. But what really bugs people is when we say there is one truth. They'll say that's exclusive, that's narrow-minded, that's restrictive, And they are right. My brothers and sisters, I want to remind you that the faith that you stepped into when you chose to follow Jesus Christ with your life is a truth that teaches that any truth claim contrary to Jesus Christ is false. And you might say, oh, well, there you go again. You Christians, you think you know it all. It's not that I feel like I know it all, or we as Christians feel like we know it all. We're going back to the Lord that we follow and what he says. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus makes this claim. 
He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he gives the logical conclusion of a statement like that. He says, there is no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to God except through me. And so when John's writing and says, walk in the truth, it's not a prideful, arrogant attitude he's bringing. He's pointing back to the very teaching that he heard from Jesus Christ. And when we as Christians claim to walk in the truth and to follow one truth, we're pointing back to the message and the teaching that we got from Jesus Christ. Now, you might be sitting there saying, well, okay, well, why can't Jesus be the truth for me and some other truth be the truth for you? I want you to think about it like this. If there are many ways to God, if there are many ways to God, then Jesus' death wasn't heroic. It was pointless. If there are many, many ways to God, then Jesus' death wasn't heroic. It was pointless. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Let's say that there's a building on fire, and there's a woman trapped on the fourth floor. Firefighters arrive at the scene, and they assess the situation. The building's engulfed in flames. They'll never be able to put out the fire in time with water. The stairwells are ablaze, and there are no fire escapes. The situation is dire. The only option for rescue is for a courageous firefighter to risk his life by entering the building to try to save hers. So a courageous firefighter suits up, runs up the stairs. Everyone outside is waiting and watching. They're wondering, are we going to see a miraculous rescue or a horrible tragedy? And then that firefighter emerges from the doorway with a woman in his arms covered in smoke and in soot. It's a miraculous rescue. And the firefighter is a hero because he risked his life when risking his life was the only option for rescue. But let's take that same story. Buildings on fire, woman's trapped on the fourth floor, the stairway's ablaze. But let's change one detail. This time, there's a fire escape on the fourth floor window. Actually, there's a fire escape on every fourth floor window. Suddenly, it's no longer necessary for a firefighter to risk his life by entering into the building. In fact, if a firefighter would enter a building to save a woman when there are many other much easier options for rescue, then he is no longer brave. He's a fool. I mean, could you imagine the conversation that would take place in that situation? Firefighters getting all suited up. Don't, don't worry, I'm coming up to save you. And the woman's looking out and saying, oh, don't bother, I'm good. I would have been down already. I just can't decide which fire escape suits me best. I'm trying to figure out which truth is mine. <laughs> Only an insane firefighter would go into a building and risk his life when he didn't have to. Now, only an insane Savior would come into this world, suffer a brutal death on a cross, if we had other options for how to come to God. See, when we, when we as Christians accept the idea that, well, Jesus works for me, but maybe there's something else that will work for you, 
When we, when we say this, when we say Jesus is a way rather than the way, when he say, well, he's a truth, but there are other truths, then he morphs from a heroic savior to a senseless fool. When we say there are other options that can bring us to God, I've just, Jesus is just the one that works for me. And we draw that out to the logical conclusion. We're saying, he's, what, what, what was the point of his death? He's a fool. He should have just let us take an easier fire escape. As followers of Jesus, we hold to the one truth. We hold to the truth that the only way to a relationship with God is through Jesus. We hold to the one truth that the only way to forgiveness and peace in your life is through Jesus. We hold to the truth that the only way to find true meaning and purpose in your life is not by looking within and discovering it, but by finding your purpose through Jesus. We hold to the truth that there's an eternal life after this earthly life. And the only way to spend eternity in heaven with God and to avoid eternal suffering apart from God is through Jesus Christ. And, and there are some who would say, that's harsh, that's controversial to steal a popular word, that's intolerant. And what I, I absolutely want you to walk away from here today realizing is that Jesus isn't sitting back and saying, oh, wait, wait, I'm, so, I'm sorry, you're misunderstanding me. You're just not getting it. It's not that bad. Jesus does the exact opposite. He promises his followers that the truth of the gospel would be offensive. If you go to John chapter 15, in verse 18, on the same night that Jesus is saying love one another, he says this. He says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that's why the world hates you. He's saying that I bring a message that's so controversial that it's going to cause some people to hate me and to hate you. The truth of this gospel is controversial. And don't miss this. It's precisely because it can be harsh that John says that we as believers and followers of Jesus Christ have to walk in both truth and walk in love. The truth has to come in love. This bold, controversial truth that Jesus is the only way to God has to be demonstrated in radical and extreme love through our lives. See, see here's the thing. Some people have taken this teaching of, of Jesus and they've highlighted all of the bold truth claims, but they've ignored all of the other love one another commands of Jesus. And they've taken this truth and they've turned it into a weapon. And truth without love is weaponized. See, when we only have truth in our lives, then the truth that was intended to guide and protect instead attacks and destroys. And this is not what following Jesus looks like. 
On the other hand, there are some people in some churches who've taken all of the love commands of Jesus while disregarding all of the truth about what it means to truly live a Christ-like life. And they've turned the teachings of Jesus into a bunch of inoffensive suggestions that neutralize the power of the gospel because love without truth is neutralized. And the radical love that's intended to transform sinful lives is instead twisted to justify sinful lives. And that's not what following Jesus looks like either. Think about it like this. Imagine that there's a beach with an extremely dangerous riptide, deadly. Truth without love is a lifeguard who posts warning signs up and down the beach and sits in the lifeguard chair blowing a whistle saying, don't go out into the water. But when people inevitably wind up out in the dangerous waters, that truth without love lifeguard sits back and watches them drown, smugly thinking, well, I warned them. Love without truth is a lifeguard that exhausts herself, swimming out in the water trying to save people, but never posts any warning signs or tells people how dangerous the waters are. The lack of truth actually enables the very danger she is trying to help people escape. Truth with love posts warning signs up and down the beach, and love with truth swims out in the water to help people back safely to shore. And in our lives, it has to be both. It has to be both, walking in truth and walking in love. Now, last week, we talked about walking in love. This week, I want to ask you, are you walking in truth in your life? As we finish 2 John, let's look at verse 7. And John writes this. He says, I say this. I say all this about love because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. John's writing this letter to a real church in western, modern-day Turkey. It wasn't Turkey then. It's dealing with some real problems. And he's saying there's deceivers who are coming, and they're teaching a false truth. The, the particular false truth he was talking about is an early form of a false teaching called Gnosticism. We know that because one of the teachings of Gnosticism is that Jesus wasn't actually a human being. And so you don't really need to know Gnosticism, the title, but one of the things that's helpful to know in relation to what we're talking about today is that Gnosticism taught that salvation comes through special knowledge. Salvation comes through special knowledge. And John's warning them, saying that your faith doesn't come through what you know. And this warning is appropriate for us today because we can begin to think that following Jesus is just about what we know. And John is saying it's not about head knowledge. It's about taking the truth of what you know and living it out in your lives. Let me give you an example of what I mean. You might wonder why this Brita water dispenser is up on the stage. It's here because every morning I start my day with this. As soon as I go down to the kitchen every morning, I open up my refrigerator and I get a cold drink of water out of my Brita water dispenser. And it's really an amazing device. We've had it for, I think, as long as we've been married. It, it really works very simply. There's an upper chamber where you put tap water and then there's a filter inside that that tap water filters through and you get usable, drinkable water in the bottom. But here's the thing. If you don't change the filter occasionally, 
that filter gets clogged. After a while, it gets clogged, and you can pour cups of water, gallons, buckets of water in the top compartment, but no water will filter through to become usable drinking water for me to enjoy in the morning. And John's warning us in 2 John that sometimes we can, in our lives, become like Brita water dispensers. You see, we can, we can come to church and we can hear great sermons, and we could read books, and we could go to Bible studies, and we can listen to podcasts, and we can pour all kinds of head truth into our heads. We can overflow with head truth. But if it doesn't filter into our hearts, it'll never be walked out in our lives. Truth has to filter from your head to your heart to be walked out in your life. You see, when when we talk about this truth of Jesus Christ and this exclusive controversial truth, it's not about being right. It's not about coming to the end of our lives or the end of the world and being able to look at other people and say, I told you, I was right. It's about the truth impacting your life and the way that you live. John puts it this way in verse 9. He says, anyone who runs ahead or anyone who's running away from and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and Son. He's saying in your life you can either be running ahead or running away from the truth, trying to get away from the truth and the implications for your life, Or you can continue on in it. Or you can walk in it. So in our final moments together today, I ask you the question, are you running from the truth in your life? Or are you walking in the truth in your life? Is the truth that you come here on Sunday and hear, is it just head truth that's getting dumped into your head? Or is it filtering to your heart and being walked out in your life? You see... There's lots of truths that we can know. You can know the truth that Jesus died to forgive your sins. But are you running from that truth or are you walking in it? There's folks who've been coming to this church for many years and you've heard, you've heard Pastor Denny say countless times, Jesus came to this world to die for you so that you can live in him. You've heard that truth and heard that truth and heard that truth, but you've never let it impact your heart. And you've put it off and you've run from it. Will you stop running and give your life to Jesus? Or maybe you have have accepted that truth, but are you still walking in the guilt and the shame of your past? Here's what I know. If the devil can't convince you not to follow Jesus Christ with your life, then his next move is to convince you that because of sins in your past, Jesus can't use you in your future. Maybe it happens to you when you come here to worship on Sunday. You start to sing and those thoughts and those memories pop into your head. Or you go to pray and and, and something comes to mind, something that you did. And the, the devil keeps bringing up things from your past that Jesus' blood has covered and and, and you've sought forgiveness and have been paid for, he's trying to make you feel like you're useless to God. And John's saying, you can run from the truth that you're forgiven and that you're a child of God, or you can 
walk in the truth of this teaching. And when those lies come in your head, you can go back to the truth of this word about who you are and what Christ has done for you. See, we can know some other truths. We can know that sin in our lives harms our relationship with God. But are you running from that truth or are you walking in it? What sin in your life are you treating as no big deal? I know it's there, but I mean, really? So just stop and think. What popped in your head when I asked that question? It just seemed to naturally come up. What I want to ask you is, what if that wasn't just naturally come up in your head? What if that was God saying to you, you walked in here running from that truth, but I want you to walk out of here walking in the truth of having dealt with that sin. What sin in your life aren't you dealing with? We can know the truth that the only path to true satisfaction in our lives is through Jesus Christ. But are we walking in it or are we running from it? What other false satisfactions are you seeking in life? Tonight, many of us here, we're going to watch the Super Bowl. And we're going to root against the Patriots. <laughs> or you can find, no, I won't. You, you, you can still go to church here if you're not, if you like the Patriots. I just, I, I wouldn't tell anybody that. We're all about honesty, but but we're going to watch this game, and if you think about it, you're going to do it in the comfort of a heated home, and you're probably going to watch it on some kind of flat TV, and then at some point, you're going to walk across the floor that's carpet or tile, but it's not dirt, and you're going to go to a kitchen to get something to eat, a kitchen that's filled with enough food to live on for weeks, and yet companies are going to spend $175,000 per second tonight to tell you that your life that's already full of so many blessings isn't full enough. But if you'll just run out and buy their product, maybe you'll be one step closer to having a full life. And sure, we'll laugh, we'll enjoy the commercials, but do you realize behind that is a strategy? Because those companies know that we as a society despite all the things we have and all the comforts, have this giant void seeking satisfaction. A satisfaction that will stuff all kinds of things except for Jesus into. What things are you putting into the void in your life? The void that only Jesus will fit into. We can know the truth that the vitality of a relationship with God depends on time with him. But are you walking in that truth or are you running from it? C a couple months ago, my, my phone starts doing this. I wake up one morning and I get this screen time report on my phone. It had done an update overnight. And suddenly I'm like, I've got this screen time report. And my phone is now telling me that over the past seven days, how much time I spent on my phone and what apps I spent that time using. I didn't ask for it. I didn't send Apple an email and say, what would be great is if once a week you could just like tell me how much time I waste. That would be perfect. <laughs> so at first I was like, okay, how do I turn this thing off? But then I thought, maybe I need this conviction in my life. And then it got me to thinking, what if in our lives 
once a week on Monday morning, we woke up and we had some kind of little time report. And there could be these nice little colored columns, right? There could be your column for sleeping, your column for working, maybe your column for using your phone or social media or Netflix or Fortnite. And then it got me to thinking, how big would the column be for my time with God? Would it even be perceivable in some of our lives compared to all the other things we spend our time doing? We can know the truth that our relationship with God is going to be stagnant and dead if we don't spend time with him. But are we walking in that truth or are we running from it? You can know the truth that when a person dies apart from Jesus Christ that they spend an eternity in hell. But are you walking in that truth or are you running from it? You know, I, I went through all these questions myself in, in preparing to talk today. So I don't want you to think I'm up here like, hey, I've got all this stuff down. And, and I'm looking at this one, I'm like, am I walking in this truth or am I running from it? Like, I'll get up and tell you all of you about Jesus. It's very comfortable for me to do that. Or I'll build relationships with people in my neighborhood and, and that, I, that I know aren't walking with Jesus. But am I, am I really sharing my faith with other people? One-on-one. Am I really sharing my faith like their eternity depends on it? Because it does. You know, Charles, Charles Spurgeon was a famous 19th century preacher. And he, he said this. And his words are so passionate. I want this passion in my life. He writes this. If sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish... Let them perish with our arms around their knees, imploring them to stay. And if hell must be filled, at least let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions. And let not one, not even one, go there unwarned or unprayed for. We can know the truth that when our family members and our friends and our neighbors leave this world, if they don't have a relationship with Jesus... They're going to spend that eternity apart from God, suffering in hell. But do we walk in that truth and share our faith as if their eternity depended upon it? So my challenge to you this morning is we're going to pray in a minute and you're going to get up and you're going to walk out the door. And you've heard a whole bunch of truth today. You've dumped a ton of truth into the into the dispenser. But when you leave this place, is anything in your life going to be any different? Is that truth going to filter from your head to your heart? Is it just going to sit up there and grow mold some more? I don't know about you. I want to walk in the truth. I want to live a life where when people see me, they know what I stand for. They know what I believe. I'm not afraid to claim the name of Jesus Christ, but at the same time, they know that I love them in a way that's otherworldly. In your life, will you love people as Jesus has loved you? And will you proclaim the one truth, not because you want to arrogantly be right, but because you know that truth can change people's lives because it's changed your life? Let me pray for you. God, we come before you. 
that I believe these two words, these two concepts can change lives. They can make a difference, God. It's all throughout your word. God, I just pray that as we leave this place, that we will show love and truth to this community of Butler, to our neighborhoods, to our schools, to our businesses, to our families, to our friends, that when people interact with us, we will be marked by our love for you and for them, as well as the impact of the truth in our lives. If we do that, Lord, I know you can use us to transform lives around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for being with us. I just want to remind you, parents of kids that are in kindergarten through fifth grade, family experience will begin in 10 minutes in Kids Stuff Theater. You don't want to miss it. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.